0: Chapter One of What Dress Makes Of Us. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. What Dress Makes Of Us by Dorothy Quigley. Chapter One How Women of Certain Types Should Dress Their Hair. The pleasing but somewhat audacious statement of the clever writer who asserted, in the merciful scheme of nature there are no plain women, is not as disputable as it may seem. Honest husbands, to be sure, greet the information with dissenting guffaws. Gay deceivers reflect upon its truth by gallantly assenting to it, with a mocking little twinkle in their eyes. And pretty women, upon hearing it, remark sententiously, Blind men and fools may think so. Discerning students of womankind, however, know that if every woman would make the best of her possibilities, physically, mentally, and spiritually, it would be delightfully probable that, in the merciful scheme of nature, there need be no plain women. Have we not Lord Chesterfield's word for it that no woman is ugly when she is dressed? It is no unworthy study to learn to make the best of, and to do justice to, oneself. Apropos of this, to begin, where all fascinating subjects should begin at the head it behooves every woman who wishes to appear at her best to study the modelling of her face that she may understand both its defective and perfect lines by a proper arrangement of her hair a woman can do much to obscure or soften her bad features and heighten the charm of her good ones romancers have written and poets have sung of the bewitchment in nut-brown locks, golden tresses, and jetty curls. Every woman, if so inclined, may prove for herself the transfiguring effect in a becoming coiffure. In fact, the beauty of a woman's face and her apparent age are greatly affected by the way she wears her hair. A most important detail that too few consider is the proper direction in which to comb the hair women literally toss their tresses together without any attention to the natural inclination of the individual strands or fibres. They comb their hair against the grain. Those who do so never have beautifully and smoothly arranged coiffures. Each little hirsute filament has a rebellious tendency to go in the direction nature intended it should, and refuses to stay where it is put, giving the head in consequence an unkempt and what is termed an unladylike appearance. The criss-cross effect resulting from combing and arranging the hair contrary to the grain is conspicuously apparent in the coiffure of no less a personage than Eleonora duse who, as may be seen from the picture, pays little attention to the natural tendency of the dark tresses that cover her shapely head. The bang has the dishevelled appearance of a pile of jackstraws, The side-locks, instead of being combed or brushed to follow the contour of the head, fall loosely and fly in opposite directions. The difference in appearance between the women of the smart sets in America and those of less fashionable circles is due, in a great measure, to the beautifully dressed coiffures of the former. A hairdresser arranges, at least once a week, the hair of the modish woman if her maid does not understand the art of hairdressing. Many women of the wealthy world have their maids taught by a French coiffure. A wise woman will adopt a prevailing mode with discretion, for what may be essentially appropriate for one may be fatally inappropriate for another. In adjusting her crown of glory, a woman must consider the proportions of her face. She should be able to discern whether her eyes are too near the top of her head, or too far below, whether she has a square or wedge-shaped chin a lean, long face, or a round and bountifully curved one. She should be alert to her defects, and study never to emphasize nor exaggerate them. Why, through stupidity or carelessness, make a cartoon of yourself, when, with a proper appreciation of your possibilities, you can be a pleasing picture? It is just as glorious to be a fine picture or a poem as it is to paint the one or write the other. Indeed, A woman who harmoniously develops the best within her has the charm of an exquisite poem and inspires poets to sing, and if, by the grace and beauty of her dress, she enhances her natural endowments and makes herself a pleasing picture, the world becomes her debtor. In the important matter of becomingly arranging the hair, the following sketches and suggestions may hint to bright, thinking women what styles to choose or avoid for wedge-shaped faces the least discerning eye can see that the wedge-shaped face number three is caricatured and its triangular proportions made more evident by allowing the hair to extend in curls or a fluffy bang on either side of the head women with delicately modelled faces with peaked chins should avoid these broad effects above their brows it is obvious in the sketch number four that the wedge-shaped face is perceptibly improved by wearing the hair in soft waves or curls closely confined to the head, and by arranging a coil or high puff just above and in front of the crown. This arrangement gives a desirable oval effect to the face, the sharp prominence of the chin being counteracted by the surmounting puffs. FOR HEAVY JAWS it may readily be seen that a woman with a square, heavy-jawed face pictured by number five should not adopt a straight or nearly straight bang, nor wear her hair low on her forehead, nor adjust the greater portion of her hair so that the coil cannot be seen above the crown of her head. The low bang brings into striking relief all the hard lines of her face, and gives the impression that she has pugilistic tendencies." to ensure artistic balance to her countenance and bring out the womanly strength and vital power of her face her hair should be arranged in coils puffs or braids that will give breadth to the top of her head as shown by number six a fluffy softly curled bang adds grace to the forehead and gives it the necessary broadness it needs to lessen and lighten the heaviness of the lower part of the face a bow of ribbon or an agrette of feathers, will add effectively the crown of braids or puffs, which a wise woman with a square jaw will surmount her brow, if she wishes to subdue the too aggressive, fighting qualities of her strong chin. FOR SHORT FACES The sisterhood who have short, chubby faces should, in a measure, observe certain rules that apply in a small degree to those who have heavy chins. As may be observed, even with a casual glance, the little short-faced woman depicted by number seven causes her round facial disc to appear much shorter than it really is, by allowing her hair to come so far down on her forehead. She further detracts from her facial charms by wearing water-waves. Water-waves are scarcely to be commended for any type of face, and they are especially unbecoming to the woman who is conspicuously roly-poly. The round eyes, knobby nose, and round mouth are brought into unattractive distinctness by being reduplicated in the circular effects of the hair. This mode of dressing the hair makes a short face look common and insignificant. Do you not see that this type is immensely improved by the arrangement of the coiffure in number 8? By combing her hair off her forehead her face acquires a look of alertness and intelligence, besides being apparently lengthened. She can wear her bang in soft crimps brushed back from her brow, if this plain arrangement is too severe. For eyes set too high A low forehead is supposed to be a sign of beauty in woman. The brows of the famous Venuses are low and broad. Perhaps for this reason many women wear their hair arranged low upon their foreheads. Whether the hair should be worn low on the brow depends chiefly on two things, the setting of the eyes and the quality of the face. A good rule to observe is the artistic one, to the effect that the eyes of a woman should be in the middle of her head, that is, if an imaginary line were drawn across the top of the head and another below the chin, exactly midway between the two the eyes should be set. The Japanese type of woman should carefully observe the foregoing hint. Observe number eight and a half. Nature has not been artistic. The eyes are too near the top of the head. The defect is exaggerated and emphasized by the wearing of the hair low on the forehead. In some faces of this type the face is brutalized in appearance by this arrangement. The expression and whole quality of the countenance can be greatly improved by arranging the hair as shown by number 9, which is the soft pompadour style. The Duchess of Marlborough, formerly Consuelo Vanderbilt, frames her naive winsome face, which is of the Japanese type, in a style somewhat like this. Her dark hair forms an aureole above her brow, and brings into relief the dainty oval form of her face. Even simply brushing the hair off the forehead without crimp or roll, will improve the appearance of this type of face, and give it a better artistic balance. FOR EYES SET TOO LOW Women whose eyes are set too far down in their faces should adopt a mode of arranging their hair exactly the opposite of those whose eyes are set too near the top of their heads. It is apparent that number 10 exaggerates the distance of her eyes from the crown of her head and makes them appear to be set lower than they really are by building her hair high and by brushing her bang back so severely from her brow. A bald forehead is rarely becoming to any woman. A few stray curls or soft waves lend grace to even the most perfect of brows. By bringing the hair down over the forehead, as suggested in number 11, a woman with this type of face can easily improve her appearance. By this graceful arrangement her face loses the childish and sometimes stupid expression that is peculiar to the type, as may be discerned in number ten. When the hair is properly arranged, this element of childlikeness lends a certain appealing sweetness, not unattractive even in the faces of matured matrons. By dressing the hair low, so the coil does not appear above the crown, as in number eleven, the eyes are apparently properly placed for long faces with long noses. The woman who wears her silken tresses arranged on either side of her head, draped like curtains from a central parting, is to be envied if she can do it and yet look young and pretty. She is the Madonna type, and seems to possess all the attributes of gentleness, modesty and meekness, and angelic sweetness, that are supposed to characterize the distinctively feminine woman. This is the ideal style of coiffure much praised by man, because, according to a bright modern Amazon, it makes a woman look so meek. The only type to which it is really becoming is the Italian. The type with matte complexion, soft eyes, finely chiseled nose, and delicately oval chin look ideally sweet and feminine, with the hair arranged à la Madonna. Long faces of the form pictured by number 12 exaggerate the longness and leanness of their faces by wearing their locks like looped curtains. A long nose with two long lines on either side of the cheek seems longer than it is, as the observer may discern three lines instead of only the nasal one, and the impression of longness is emphasised. Not only is the length of the countenance made more noticeable, but years and years are apparently added to the actual age. That number 13, which shows a parting and soft waves that do not come below the ears, is to be preferred by a woman whose features are of this character, need hardly be explained. The improvement in looks is quite obvious." Number fourteen is an example of a misguided woman of the pudgy type who, for some inexplicable reason, arranges her hair in the Madonna style. It is utterly unsuited to her face. Unless her ears are deformed, this style of hirsute lambrequins should not be worn by a full round-faced woman. The arrangement sketched in number fifteen adds effectively to her appearance, not only making her look younger but less inane. FOR FACES WITH PROTRUDING NOSES Women with decidedly protruding or irregular tip-tilted noses should be especially careful in arranging their coiffures. Any woman who arranges her hair as in sketch number sixteen caricatures her facial defects by increasing the two protuberant lines of her nose. The distance from the end of her nose and the tip of the topmost knot of hair is too long for either beauty or intelligence. The shape of her head acquires idiotic proportions and her nose is placed entirely out of drawing and is obtrusively conspicuous when seen in profile. This type of woman is generally classified among the inquisitive, bright and energetic. She should aim to modify the unhappy angularity of her profile as well as to repress her gossipy tendencies the graduated coil of hair and waved coiffure shown by number seventeen are most felicitous in their effect on this type of face number eighteen reveals an error in an opposite direction the snub-nosed girl by fixing her hair in a bun-like coil gives the impression that her coiffure is held by invisible strings by her nose "'which gets a more elevated look than it otherwise would have "'because of the bad angle at which the coil is placed. "'Number nineteen, which is a picturesque variation of the popular coif, "'manifestly improves this type of face "'and makes the nose appear less obtrusive. "'A woman should carefully study the contour of her head from every side, "'the modelling of her face, the length and inclination of her nose, "'the setting of her eyes,' and the breadth and form of her brow, and adopt a becoming coiffure that will give artistic balance to her face, and never absolutely change the style, whatever the mode in hairdressing may be. In England the court hairdresser years ago studied the character of the head and face of the Princess of Wales, and designed a coiffure for her which she has never varied until recently. Then she merely arranged her fringe lower down on her forehead than she has ever worn it before. The general style, however, she preserves intact, and wears her hair, and has for many years, as is shown in the picture number 20. Her daughters, who have faces the same shape as hers, dress their coiffures similarly. In never changing the style of arranging her hair, the Princess of Wales owes in no small degree her apparent air of youthfulness. No matter what the prevailing style, these rules may be practically applied. End of chapter 1. Read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org, on May thirtieth, two thousand nine, in San Diego, California.